0: On episode 66 of DevTalk, I speak to Rodney Littles II about reactive extensions and dynamic data. Welcome to another episode of DevTalk. My name is Kerry Lothrop, and today's guest is Rodney Littles. Rodney is a senior software engineer from Houston, Texas, and I'm really happy to have him on the show. Hello, Rodney. Hello.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: I got in contact with you because we had never really been in contact uh, and i noticed you were also uh, a microsoft mvp with a focus on xamarin technology and i thought we well, might have a chat and it turns out you're doing fun stuff
1: yeah I'd, i've seen you around and uh, I've, I've seen your name but we haven't had a chance to really connect and, and talk so i'm definitely uh, excited to, to have the opportunity to to talk in this space yeah
0: yeah thank you for being my guest and, and i saw you are working in a technology that i've been working with in the past also, and uh, that I've not used in a while. And that is, uh, well, the, the broad scope of reactive programming. How did you get into that?
1: So I started off uh, Xamarin development, and uh, we, I was working on a project. And this was the last Evolve. So 2016 Evolve, I saw Michael Stonis on stage talking about build better mobile apps with Rx. Um, okay. And I realized that mobile applications are inherently event-based, right? It, not just like the .NET event-based, but event-based, right? So there's mm-hmm. there's user input, there's signal connectivity, there's there's uh, operating system input, there's all these inputs that are coming into your application that you need to handle. And I was having a really hard time managing the state of my application. Uh, so fast forward, that same mobile application, I needed to implement some some Real-time notifications, and through the implementation of those real-time notifications, I implemented an Rx pipeline to handle it. And after that, I was hooked.
0: Okay, so for for those who don't know, or maybe you could explain a little bit what reactive extensions is, or or maybe reactive in general.
1: So reactive extensions is the um, is basically the observer pattern implemented in. In C Sharp, it's 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 a it's a sheet. It is a C Sharp implementation of the observer pattern. So you get uh, an I Observable, which is in the System namespace. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is inherently asynchronous, and at that point you can use link over any type of event that you can any t- any data type that you can push down uh, this pipeline. So you can merge uh, .NET events, uh, Task Parallel Library completions. Uh, Operating system notifications, all into one API surface. Use link operations that you already know, like select, um, like take, like skip, mm-hmm. and listen to the changes that are happening in your application. Reason about them and do work in response to the application state being in a certain place.
0: Well, I like to think about in the way that the like, link is you you query something that's already there, and with reactive, uh, that something is not there yet, but you can al- already perform these operations so that you get what you need out of that something that is still to be produced.
1: Right. And, and that's the inherent asynchronous nature of it, is that instead of imperatively telling the code to go to the network and get me new data, when the user taps the button, that's the signal that tells my existing function to go do its job. So instead of me saying, hey, the user clicked the button and go do the thing, it's the user clicked the button and the thing just kind of happens as a result.
0: Yeah. Okay. And, and button clicking is, or, or tapping, uh, that's one kind of event. That's very obvious. But what, what are other things that can happen? Uh, I mean, you, you've probably got server connections. You've, uh, maybe you're using some some functionality of the device or some sensors, or things like that? Is that things that you're hooking up using reactive extensions?
1: Exactly. So uh, Xamarin Essentials, right? So for any Xamarin developer, that's going to be a library that you've consumed. Mm-hmm. Uh, they expose .NET events for things like connectivity changing. So I can listen to the device telling me about the .NET event bring it into an observable pipeline and then when I lose connection, I can explicitly go cancel an in-flight network request. Just just because the operating system told me that something is happening, I can go ahead and issue a cancellation token.
0: Okay. yeah, uh, pretty cool stuff and and you're uh, I, I saw you were working uh, with libraries on top of reactive extensions. I, I think we've talked about reactive UI. Is this something you're using, or are there other libraries?
1: Yeah, so Reactive UI is my MVVM offering of choice. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's kind of how I do all of my reactive bits for MVVM applications. But on top of that, there's another library that I've been playing with a lot lately uh, that's in the Rx space called Dynamic Data. Um, okay. And and what that's done for me is is giving me a lot of lift in my in my data because it's very much a I it, dynamic data understands two sides of, of, of kind of a, a, a very interesting tale. Um, it understands I enumerable and I observable. And it and it and it takes in an I enumerable and will project an I-Observable. So for someone like me who who's really into this, uh, this, this reactive programming, and I do a lot of you know MVVM with reactive, and I've even gotten into doing network requests uh, you know with reactive pipelines. Mm-hmm. This is a, a very interesting piece of technology for me uh, primarily because observable collection has never really given me the power that I've wanted to it to in a Xamarin application. It, it's always left me feeling like I could do better.
0: Okay. So you're, this is something that you're using on the server side, on the client side, maybe in combination?
1: So dynamic data could be used pretty much anywhere, it's just a a net standard library, so you Mm -hmm. can pull it in kind of server side or client side, I would say that it it has value anywhere you want to to understand the inner workings of a list. So. Let's talk about like observable collection and I notify collection change, right? So observable collection pro, uh, adheres to the I notify collection changed interface, which mm-hmm. gives you information about adds, removes, updates, and and things that are happening in the list. Um, so that's so that's fine until you have to use the INPC, the, the I notify property change, on the actual collection itself to notify the UI that the data underneath has changed. Mm-hmm. What dynamic data gives me the ability to do is when something in the list has changed, it will project new values out to the screen using iNotify collection change. So let's take a list view for example, right? List view in Xamarin Forms has a, a item appearing and item disappearing event. Mm-hmm. Because of the way that it's that, that list view is built and the way dynamic data works. I actually get stock animations when when the the deltas are done on the list itself. Okay. So when I when I make deltas to the list, I e add things or remove things, I'll get animations on that list view that I never saw with observable collection.
0: Huh, is Xamarin Forms directly binding to dynamic data or is there like an adapter to
1: to enable this? Yeah, so dynamic data will allow you to bind out to I believe an i observable collection or a read only observable collection i think a read only list it, it basically will allow you to bind out changes to a list mm-hmm. so to understand that i kind of have to talk about the go back to the i enumerable and i observable example okay. because what dynamic data does is it, it will take a a pulled list of data right so i go to the server i get some i enumerable and i pull it back it will take in that i enumerable as input and then it can reason about the changes to the to the data the deltas to the data in the list Mm -hmm. and as well as changes to the elements that are in the list so if my object respects i notify property change that is in my i enumerable dynamic data can listen to the property change notifications on elements inside the list and project those out as an i observable of i change set so Dynamic data takes your underlying reference to some information and will project you a observable of change sets, letting you know when things have happened either to the data set or in the data set itself.
0: Okay. It sounds a little bit like you're creating a bridge from maybe older code that was not fully reactive yet. And newer code or maybe the user interface using reactive principles is that right or or is this something or could could you like do completely without observable collections?
1: So you can't do completely without observable collection well i can't say that you might be able to do completely without observable collections Mm -hmm. Um, i use read-only observable collection because it still respects the correct interfaces that it needs in order to notify but as long as your property on your view model uh, respects i notify property change and it's of type i enumerable it should still work
0: okay so you mentioned uh the I enumerable and I observable, and now there's this new thing called I async enumerable. Does that also play into that somewhere, or, or is that completely different ballgame?
1: Um, so the I async enumerable is, is uh, very similar to what you would get from an I observable. So I think that the concepts play very similar, um, but I, I don't know that I personally have tried bringing an I async enumerable into dynamic data. So that might be an interesting uh, side project to play around with to see mm-hmm. to see what the interactions of those technologies would look like. But I would think that overall they would they would play nice together.
0: Okay, are you are you happy with with this completely? Is there things that you would add, or, or is there a new technology around this that you're looking into? Uh, for example, I I saw a presentation by by Bart DeSmet on a new project called Reactor. I don't know if you've heard or maybe you saw the same presentation as i did i think it, it's taking this this uh, observable idea to another level and ma- making letting you like send your queries to the server and then they get remotely executed instead of filtering completely on your client and things like that anything like that maybe
1: so i haven't played with it yet but i have been talking to uh to to howard that's been working on the re the, the react the, the reactor project. Okay, and he's been giving me a a, a good glimpse into kind of what to expect. So I'm actually I was actually making this joke a couple of days ago, where I I can't wait till I can make my user can tap on a button in my Xamarin application. And I have an observable pipeline from that button tap notification, all the way to some back end server using using reactor and all the way back to my Xamarin application with 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 nothing but one big observable pipeline so i'm i'm excited to see where reactor plugs in mm-hmm. to this because as i understand it it's going to be more of a uh on the back end of the xamarin query to the server yeah but but if i can plug that in uh and get more lift and and make everything faster and make my caching better uh and and have one api surface that i do it across everything i will be a happy developer <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, well, as I understand it, it's like uh, you, instead of like getting all the events and then filtering in your app, you would, you could just send like your, your um, dot where or uh, some, some other thing that you would usually write in your, in this link syntax to the server. And then it would do that on the original data and you it would never, the data wouldn't even
1: originate
0: if it doesn't match that, uh, that where clause. So it sounded like a, like a really good idea. I, yeah, it's it's it, a it is
1: a great idea.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and and I I know Bart was was working on this, and I'm, I'm fascinated by the work he does at at Microsoft. And uh, it, it's very, it but it, yeah, it's a completely different way of approaching a problem. Actually,
1: that's the hard part about Rx is that it you have to invert the way you approach the problem. It's no longer I have to I have. I have to do the thing, it's I have to react to something. Mm-hmm. So when the application is in the correct state, then I can do my job. So it's, it's really more so instead of I am, I am conducting the orchestra directly and telling the orchestra section to come in, it, or the, the horn section to come in, really what I'm saying is, hey, horn section, you're supposed to come in at every three-quarter beat. You're responsible for coming in at every three-quarter beat. You know how to do everything around that three-quarter beat. Go and do your work. So it's, it's a very detached way of looking at problems because you're not looking at it in a linear fashion. You're really looking at it from a place of state management.
0: Yeah, and that's a good example with the, with the orchestra is that you could say like you come in two measures after the violins and... Um, And uh, every time this one plays, you have to play. But uh, yeah, there are so many things that you can you can define. But it's it's more the like a a functional programming mindset. You you def or if if you've never seen this, maybe think of an Excel sheet. You have like formulas here and there, and you're not telling it which way, which order to execute all those uh, calculations you're just telling it whatever is in this cell as it has to be the product of these other two cell cells and let let it figure that out and this this is what what reactive is basically or i mean yeah even more so than than link which is also a little bit like that but but it, it's like you set everything up and it just works and then and I've had the, the experience that this is something that's not that that is um, hard to get some people to convert to to this this paradigm shift. You know,
1: it it's hard because it's inherently asynchronous, and I think I think the 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 human mind uh, works in a very linear fashion. Mm-hmm. Right. So even like so, just taking like object oriented programming. Right. I remember you know. Before that, where there was hierarchical programming, and, and the go state, the go to statement was all the craze because you could break the linear execution. So it, it, these these concepts of async asynchronous programming are difficult. But for 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 folks that are e- event driven, you know, we are inherently asynchronous because we can't dictate when the code is going to actually happen. We just have to react to the fact that an event is being given to us. So, you know, once you're able to to look at everything from a sense of, I'm not doing this work right now, I'm doing it at a later point in time, you know, it's really that inherent callback, that functional callback concept. Yeah. So I'm, I'm gonna set up where this callback needs to happen and it will happen when it's supposed to happen. And, and I find that, that asynchrony looking at it from that perspective is very difficult because now it it gets from just a deferring with async and await to I can branch my 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 asynchronous model out to multiples of threads, right? So I can I can have many things that are technically happening at the exact same time based upon one one piece of input, and yeah. and, I, and I find that that's that's a lot harder to reason about when you're looking at code. Yeah, it's,
0: it's it makes it much easier to write uh, thread safe asynchronous code, right? If, if yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I uh, once I had a, a customer project, and we built something that was. It, it turned out later that I had had reinvented the actor pattern. It it was different parts of the software were in different nodes. They didn't have to be on the same in the same process or on the same uh, host. They could be in different hosts, and these nodes were talking to each other. And uh, basically, there was a host uh, having an innumerable of packets. Oh, no, an eye observable of packets and some other node could connect to that. And uh, you could say, I only want packets that are addressed to me or you like filter or um, it it was it was very I, I thought it was very clever. At some point I left the project and people were kind of lost because of this this different approach. I mean, it's not imperative program you just write one statement after the other and the computer executes it in that order it, it it is it is very different yeah and i i am that made me hesitant to choose this technology for future projects
1: actually so it's interesting um i've got i got i have friends that work in other areas with dotnet technologies. So like, uh, I've got a friend that does a lot of TypeScript development, mm-hmm. and a lot of JavaScript, uh, and a lot of these other frameworks, this is the the default way of doing things, right? Like in Angular, you're inherently using, uh, you know, uh, observables and subscriptions and promises and deferred execution of things. So it, it's really only in the in the C sharp space where we really haven't accepted and, and, and started to to really rally behind this concept of functional programming because this is the way a lot of other languages are handling it by default these days mm. so you know it's, it's it's very interesting to me that we are clinging to this um, to this kind of like you know hierarchical procedural programming concept when the de- the declarative model is, as you, as you, as you said, right? Like it, it's very clever. It you, it allows you to reduce a lot of friction in your application. Things are only happening when they're supposed to happen. You're reducing the number of, you know, uh, uh, side effect code that's, that's getting executed in your application because you're able to manage the state of the application using filters, mm-hmm. like where clauses, right? So it, I, I find that, you know, that declarative approach, um, is is common everywhere else, and and I really would love to see uh, the C sharp language kind of kind of rally behind this 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 model of asynchronous programming.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I know like I observable and I observer have been in .NET since version four, I believe, and. Rx is still like a, an extra package, and and I see it used, but it's not like the the dominant way of developing your applications. That's my impression.
1: Yeah, that's that's what I see as well. Um, it, you know, everyone talks about it as a fringe technology. Um, it, it it's in the system.reactive namespace, but it's 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 not part of the the quote unquote core net bits. Um, but I observable as, as you stated, is there. Um, and I've never like, so the extensions themselves, right, the, the, the filters, the throttles, the, the, uh, the buffers, all of the, the things that allow you to reason about it are not in the system namespace. Uh, but everything else is in, in this is in that system.reactive package. And I think that's actually been one of the barriers to getting people into using it, mm-hmm. um, as well as the, the mindset shift, right? It, it, it does have a learning curve. And a lot of development shops don't have time when they're working on, you know, legacy code and new projects and all these other things to bring people up to speed on, on this technology. Uh, so I find that it it's not been accepted as widely because we have events and event handlers and the task parallel library. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like, uh, the the async and await operators just recently came to TypeScript and JavaScript, right? So like they they didn't have that tool uh, to handle asynchronous uh, programming. So I I feel like the the other niceties that we have had in the .NET framework have actually kind of dwarfed this particular technology and mm-hmm. made it not as uh, appealing because it's easier to just do a plus equals and wire up a, a static method than it is to reason about an observable pipeline and the fact that this is actually happening in a completely different time and space. Mm.
0: But I- interestingly, the technology came from the, the .NET world. I mean, reactive extensions was, was a dot, I think, it was .NET first, right? And my, Microsoft Invention and Async await also. So... I, I think coming from like F sharp and it's, it's, it's interesting that uh, I mean I mean okay async await really I mean Microsoft bet a lot on that and it's you see it everywhere now it's just you yes. you see you can tell right away this is like C sharp 5 or later code uh, because it's it's yeah everywhere and uh, yeah reactive extensions never made that step into the into the mainstream because probably because it wasn't part of the yeah of the the core package.
1: It, exactly. Uh, you know it's 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 hard to accept a system.reactive package and having to think about a whole different way of programming. Yeah. Uh, it's way harder for me to bring into my development shop than it is that async and await keyword that are stuck right there in the language, right? So right. Uh,
0: I, yeah, get it. I And also it's it's for those who are who feel at home in the, that imperative world. Async await is like the perfect tool because it makes you. It feels like you're writing this step, this step, and when you're finished with that, do this. And when in reality, it's it's a complicated state machine that uh, does callbacks and, and exception handling and and but, but you don't see that anymore, and so it makes makes your life much easier. There's less code to write, and it, it's the way your your brain has worked over the the past decades as a software developer yeah so <laughs> i i can see why that um yeah, uh, can can get people in interested in using that yeah
1: yeah so and it's interesting that you bring up the state machine in the tpl because a lot of people don't actually know about that um and 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 that's that's the the fun part about it to me is i i always have to explain about uh about async and await that it is inherently asynchronous, it, it does not guarantee you a new thread, right? So mm-hmm. the, the, the biggest issue that I personally have with the TPL is that I can't say go execute this, this async and await operation on a background thread, I cannot tell the language to go do that. But with an observable, I can I can say, hey, go execute this on a background thread. And 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 then I can bring it back to the to the main thread when the processing has completed. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of the the, the main thing that I that, that differentiates them to me is that observables are inherently asynchronous. So basically, all the code that you write with observables is asynchronous. Uh, and you know what the the reason why Microsoft created the TPL is because they realize we live in an inherently asynchronous world. Right? Yeah. Like we didn't realize that in the early days, right? But like we realized it, and 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 this was Microsoft's approach to to, to giving you an asynchronous hook into your imperative programming uh, style that would be easy for you to to, to implement. Yeah. The pro- like I said, the problem is is that when you're in a in a Xamarin application, a WPF application, and you want to go from an event on the from the from user input all the way to a network request, and then back to some data showing up on the screen, you have to go across several different API surfaces in order to achieve that task. But with I can do all of that in an observable pipeline with maybe 10 operators, and you can look at all of the code in one place and see what it's doing. So for me, it's it, it also became an issue of code cleanliness uh, because it, it makes it, easy for me to just look at the constructor which is where most of your rx code will be written and look at the entire behavior for a given class
0: yeah yeah well i recently did a project in swift and this was before swift got async awaited that that was just very recently um and it it's it's painful to use like every function has a as the last parameter the callback that will be called when this function is finished and um and you get this this chain of 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 callbacks, and each time you have to check: is am I actually expecting this callback? Or um, you have to remember your own state. And, and you know, but it's it's very interesting that everybody's picking up this this work that Microsoft has done and integrating into their into their languages. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and and I think that's also very funny that uh, that it came from Microsoft and and every other language has, has picked up on it, uh, yeah. except for the, 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 current main, you know, Microsoft language. So, uh, I, I find that very, hmm. uh, very funny.
0: Yeah. So, and you're using this inside, uh, inside the app, do you, do you see like, is there an overhead to using Rx inside a, a mobile app or is, is this something that's ready for mobile?
1: i believe so I, I i think uh i think rx is is very well suited for for mobile um you know any eye mm-hmm. observable once it's subscribed to returns you an eye disposable which you can immediately or you can choose when to send it to the garbage collection system so it makes it mm-hmm. easy for you to integrate you know your your subscriptions into garbage collection um you know so it you know memory management becomes a little bit easier it becomes harder to forget to remove an event handler at, at the right time or the wrong time, so a lot of that stuff becomes a little bit easier to reason about. Um, and I've built a couple of Xamarin applications with Rx, and I, I would say it's definitely ready for prime time. Um, okay.
0: And have you mixed uh, Rx and uh, async await? I know there are like methods for converting one into the other. If like like there's an observable with only one event uh, then you could just uh, convert that to and then await that uh, or you could do the other way around that you have an, uh, like an async method and you can say to observable and it would you know th- does that work or is that something that that's or, or should should you in those uh, in those reactive parts of the code should you use synchronous code
1: so it does work uh, the reactive extensions provides uh as you said there's a two observable and so you can convert a task for, or you can return a ta- or you can convert a task from an ob- observable and you can convert an yeah. observable to a task or to, uh, to with, an awaitable
0: or what's it yeah something like that yeah it will, yeah
1: exactly to a task so it will okay. return the observable yeah. itself will return a task mm-hmm. so the things play nice together um, until you try and do you know things that are kind of outside of its boundaries mm-hmm. but you know, something as simple as a network request, right? You, you said it yourself. It's it's a it's a single value return. That's basically what a task is, right? Yeah. A task is basically just a notification of completion. So there's a, a async subject which gives us that that ability in Rx where it explicitly waits for a single notification and then it completes.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess maybe async and enumerable would be more suited for that because it's like a continuous
1: stream of of things coming, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I haven't tried that. <laughs> I haven't either, but I'm I'm interested to see what you can do with async enumerable uh, and and observables and and reactor and all of the the Rx deferred execution goodness that's out there in C#. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, I for those uh, who want to look this up, reactor is with a Q. Uh, so because uh, for the queryable, oh, there's like the they had the funny, funny names for their interfaces. Like I, I queryable, it was I, I,
1: queryable observable or something. Or, or,
0: or no, it was cube observable. It was just like the yes. observable with a little line. Yeah.
1: So that's actually interesting. The I so there's the I observable and there's the IQ instead of like an O, there's a Q there for the right. observable. Yeah. And, and what, what that is is basically the bridge that, that, I believe, and I don't don't quote me because I haven't looked at all the source code, but I believe that's the bridge that Bart is using to to make that network request because right. it is inherently an asynchronous query that gets executed. So uh, uh, another community member um, in the Rx space and I were talking about this a couple of months ago and talking about the ability to from an application send a deferred query to the server and then pull it back and then you know three months later project reactors here and I'm just like my problems are solved I can I can yeah. do exactly what I wanted to do because that interface is is similar to the eye observable interface but it's specifically for a deferred query
0: yeah okay I uh, very curious to see if this catches on or if, if this uh, becomes the the next big thing to to base your apps on so <laughs> well thank you so so much for sharing uh, sharing today and uh, I, I get excited about this technology. I know not everybody shares this excitement, but um, I'm glad when I, I find people to to talk about it. And thank you for for telling us about your your using the, how you're using this technology.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I get excited about this technology too. So it's <laughs> always good to to talk to other people that uh, that that like to talk about the technology and where the technology is going and, and the things that we can do with it uh, that we haven't been able to do before. So thank you for having me. It was, it was a pleasure uh, to talk here.
0: Yes, thank you for being my guest. This has been another episode of Dev Talk, and we'll see each other again in two weeks. Bye-bye. Bye.